We're glad to have with us a special guest today, Mike Manuel. And he's an evangelist. My wife and I over the years have known a lot and many evangelists. But I can truly say not all of them are evangelists, but this man is an evangelist. And evangelist Mike Manuel was born and raised in Logan, West Virginia. Mike became involved with drugs, alcohol while he was in high school as he went deeper and deeper into sin. Later, while attending Marshall University, he became an agnostic. But on March the 23rd, 1975, he had a life-changing experience. The power of sin was broken when he met Jesus Christ. I love that. His life took on new meaning as the Lord prepared him for the work that he certainly had called and what he sent him to do. Mike's uh, mission is to preach Jesus Christ. <clears throat> this is from Hebrews. The same yesterday, today, and forever. Many people have been saved, healed, filled, and delivered <clears throat> through the anointing preaching, certainly, of the Word of God. Mike's wife, and he has a wonderful, wonderful wife, Kathy, has been called into the ministry of music. Prior to entering the evangelistic field, Mike pastored a church, and I didn't realize this, Brother Mike, for two and a half years. Uh, Mike has been an ordained minister with the New Life Church in Huntington, West Virginia, since 1986. Dr. Harold Huffman, he is the founder of the New Life Church. He's traveled extensively throughout the United States. He serves as vice president of Victory Ministries Incorporated, of which Dr. Huffman is the president. He is the National Director of Evangelism for the Full Gospel Fellowship of Churches and Ministers International. And this is certainly, and this is part of our ministry and part of the fellowship that we belong to, which is headquartered in uh, Dallas, Texas. And he serves in that same ministry as a uh, national board member with the fellowship. Mike's a faculty member of West Virginia Christian University. He's a founder of Revelation Power Ministry, which spends, I'm sorry, spreads the gospel via television, crusades, the internet, DVDs, and CDs, and newsletters. The ministry's goal is to propagate the word of God by means of all means available. Recently, Mike has engaged, and I love this, and I love getting his newsletter. If you'd like to, to have that, you can go online and pick up his ministry and and pick up uh, his material online, which is very good. Mike has engaged in Christian apologetics and creation science through debates and seminars. Uh, Mike, here in this church, and he's done it all over the United States, debated a professor from State University, and he can debate creation and whatever as good as anybody or anyone I've ever seen. So... And I picked up him this week, and he was on Daystar uh, and just did a wonderful job there. It is an honor, I'm telling you, it's an honor for us to have Mike Manuel. You welcome him. As he, he's a walking Bible, folks. He can quote more scripture than anyone I've ever seen in my life. Welcome him as he comes to speak for us today. It's an honor to be here. 
I enjoyed the worship. Though I don't have a singing voice, I do qualify. Here I am listening to Don and Carol and Dave and Cheryl, and they have angelic voices. I waited till they sang loud enough that my voice would blend in. The 100th Psalm doesn't say, Make a mournful noise unto the Lord all your lands. Serve the Lord with sadness. Come before his presence with moans and groans and gripes and complaints. He said, Make a joyful noise unto the Lord all your lands. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before his presence with singing. Know you that the Lord, he is God. It is he that hath made us and not we ourselves. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Enter to his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts of praise. Be thankful unto him and bless his name. For the Lord is good. His mercy is everlasting. And his truth endureth unto all generations. And to cap, and to cap it off, to hear Neil sing. What a miracle. What a miracle. He didn't give up. His mom and dad didn't give up. And the Lord didn't give up. Hallelujah. If you would turn to John chapter 16, Pastor Don, Sister Carol, it's an honor to be here today. Uh, I, I love this couple. They have always uh, been a blessing to be around. And they have a heart for the gospel, to spread the good news. And they are really interested in the education of young people in the Word of God. It's great to have Dave and Cheryl Smith. They were in Charlotte, North Carolina, just a day or so ago, helping people that have nobody else to help them. Going to the down and outer. We think it's been tough on us. But people that were already trying to make ends meet have really had to suffer during this pandemic. In John 16, 33, Christ said, These things have I spoken unto you, that in me you might have peace. In the world ye shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. We're living, I do believe, in the last days. Now, nobody knows exactly when the Lord's coming back. Christ made that plain in Mark 13, 32, but of that day and that hour knoweth no man. No, not the angels which are in heaven, neither son but the Father. But we can know it's near, for Christ said in Luke 21, 28, when you begin to see all these things come to pass, lift up your head because your redemption draws near. Why would Jesus tell you and I to lift our heads up when we would know that his return was near? You look at John 4, 35, he said, Say not ye there are yet four months, and then cometh harvest. Behold, I send you, lift up your eyes, look on the fields, they're white to harvest. So Jesus said, when you know I'm about to come back, it's time to go out and do more than you've ever done before. I mean, if the Lord doesn't come back in my lifetime, I have one life to live. And I love the songs they sing, I want my life to count for Christ. Mary said it best in John 2, 5, when she spoke to the servants of the wedding feast of Cana, some of the most profound words ever uttered from human lips when she said, whatever he saith unto you, discusseth it, debateth it, taketh a vote on it, fuss and fight over it. No, whatever he saith unto you, do it. Yeah. Pastor Dave, I love those Nike commercials. And at the end of the commercial, 
You see that little check mark, and then it says, Pastor Don, just do it. Christ said, in me you'll have peace. A lot of people are frantic today. They're thinking, I could die. I could lose my job. I could lose my house. Everything that I've worked for is slipping away. What can I depend on? I believe there's an atmosphere for the gospel even greater now than it was before the pandemic was known in March. Actually, the first diagnosed case was January the 21st of this year. And many people said it came out of the Wuhan province out of a wet market. And that's possibly so. In a wet market, now if you're going to eat too uh, soon after service, you might want to wait a while. But anyway, they put in bats and rats and all kinds of different food, and they would sell that in the wet market. But within a couple of miles, there's a Chinese bio lab where Chinese biologists are experimenting on chemical and biological warfare. Many people are beginning to think this came out of that bio lab. And three of the last four pandemics that have hit the world came out of China. And yet they don't want us to call it the China COVID-19 virus. You had the German measles. You had the West Nile virus. You had the Hong Kong flu. You had the Spanish flu. So I guess we could call it the China virus. And that's where it came from. And some epidemiologists said that it has been manufactured. It's been ramped up. Because like other viruses, it gets in the body, but especially it affects the elderly. And it's almost as though it was designed to do that. So we need to understand there could be a nefarious purpose behind this pandemic. It may not just be an accident. It could be something that was planned. There is that possibility. Christ said in the world you're going to have tribulation. The Lord never promised you and I a trouble-free existence here on planet earth. I don't know where people get that. Psalm 34, 6, this poor man cried unto the Lord and the Lord heard him and saved him out of all of his trouble. Paul said in Acts 14, 22, through much tribulation we enter the kingdom of God. 1 Peter 4, 12, beloved, think it not strange concerning the fiery trial which is to try you as though some strange thing happened unto you. This year's been the strangest year of my life. A lot of things have happened that I've never had to experience, or probably you also. When the pandemic caused shutdowns across the country, I was in Western North Carolina, preaching in Marion, North Carolina, at Victor Temple Full Gospel Church. I think it was the 15th or the 18th of March. And Governor Cooper began to close it down on the 17th. We finished revival on the 18th. I was to preach over in Asheville, North Carolina for Malcolm and Debbie McCarson at House of Prayer Church on Saturday night and Sunday morning. I get a phone call from Pastor McCarson. He said, Brother Manuel, they've uh, canceled all the hotel reservations. We don't have a place for you to stay. He said, we're going to have to cancel Saturday night. I pretty well assumed that. He said, but I don't want to cancel the Sunday morning service. We're going to do it out of the parking lot. So I was able to stay at the prophet's quarters in Marion, North Carolina. And on that Thursday, I went over to Hickory, North Carolina and ordered some food from the Olive Garden. Look, I couldn't find a Greek restaurant, so I went for the Italian food. It's pretty good. It's not Greek, but it's pretty good. So I ordered some food from the Italian restaurant, and I'm standing out on the parking lot. They would bring out the food and deliver it to you. And there was a lady with her daughter and a man uh, over on my right side, and they began to talk to each other. And they were just complaining, this is inconvenient. 
uh, we should be able to eat in the restaurant, and this really upsetting my schedule. And I'm not saying anything. They looked at me and said, well, don't you think? I said, well, ma'am, I'd like to eat in the restaurant, but I really can't complain about this. I said, I've had to face nothing like what my father and mother faced, and my father and mother didn't have to face anything like their parents had to face. Stop and think of it for a moment. We've been inconvenienced for sure. But there are other places around the world where villages have been wiped out by this. We have access to food. We can still live in our homes during the winter. If it's cold outside, we have heat inside. If it's warm outside, we can cool our home with our air conditioners. We are a blessed people. And I told her that, and she said, wow, I feel bad for complaining. I said, well, ma'am, I didn't say that to make you feel bad. I just told you the truth, and you asked me, uh, did I not feel like you and this man here? And the other man, he just sort of walked away. But I really couldn't complain about standing out on the parking lot. I got that minestrone soup and that uh, Italian salad. That's pretty good. Took it back to the prophet's quarters. I did a Psalm 81.10 up on my mouth. God said, I'll fill it. <laughs> Amen. But we really haven't seen anything yet as far as world conditions. Now, the word tribulation in the Latin is tribulato. In the Greek, it's thalipses, which means pressure, stress. It's like a threshing floor. It's like uh, grinding up wheat. There's just a lot of things going on, and we've begun to experience some of that. Now, I do believe there's a different period of time that Christ marked out in Mark chapter uh, 13 and also Matthew 24 and 21. He said, Then shall be great tribulation, such as was not since the beginning of the world to this time, no, nor ever shall be. And that's a quotation of Daniel 12, 1. And the book of Daniel really is a companion book to the book of Revelation to understand some of the symbolism you find in the book of Revelation. Now in Matthew 24, 3, as he sat upon the Mount of Olives, his disciples came to him saying, Master, when shall these things be? What shall be the sign of thy coming and of the end of the world? And Christ began to give signs, delineate signs would take place prior to his return. Take heed that no man deceive you. Down to verse 7, he said, nation will rise against nation. The Greek, that's ethnos, ethnos, ethnic group against ethnic group. Do you know there are over 25 major conflicts around the world? We don't hear a lot about it because we didn't hear about the pandemic. Christ said you would hear wars and rumors of wars. Up until our age, that we're living in, in the last hundred years, you wouldn't know about anything. It's like when the Spanish-American War was fought, and the Battle of New Orleans was won, and they tried to get the uh, word out to people that the war had been concluded. Guess what? It took weeks and months to get the word out to the people that the war had been concluded. So today, we can hear about things taking place over in Russia or in South America. He said, nation would rise against nation, Kingdom against kingdom, there will be famines. I've been told as high a percentage, and Dave, you might have uh, more accurate figures. I've been told as high as 30 to 35% of the world's population goes to bed hungry every night. Does that sound reasonable? From what, that's from what I've heard. Think of that. Maybe three in ten people tonight somewhere around the world are going to bed and they're hungry. Then he said pestilences. Notice there's an S on the end of that word. Not pestilence, pestilences. In the Greek, the word is luma, which means illness and disease. In the Hebrew, the word is D-E-V-E-R. I believe it's pronounced dever, which means epidemic, great loss of life. We think it's tough now. 
1347 A.D., the bubonic plague, known as the Black Death, hit Europe. Actually, it hit parts of North Africa, Euro-Asia, that's the western part of Asia, and Europe. And from 1347 to 1351, 200 million people succumbed to that plague. Do you know how they stayed the plague? They went back to the sanitary laws God gave the Israelites in the book of Leviticus through Moses. They buried the dead bodies outside the camp deep in the ground. They burned the refuse. And then as Leviticus 15, 13 says, they washed their bodies and their clothes in running water. I'll tell you what shocked me when they were telling everybody to wash your hands. Everybody thought, wow, we have to wash our hands? You mean you weren't washing your hands? Now I've got my little germ X here. I've been carrying this for over 20 years. This is not new to me. I call it my Psalm 24-4 solution. What's that preacher? Verse 3 says of Psalm 24, Who can approach the holy hill of God? Verse 4 says, He that hath clean hands and a pure heart. Now the blood of Jesus takes care of the pure heart, but germ X is pretty good for the clean hands. X is talking about the work you do for the Lord. Then James 4, 7, 8 says, Submit yourselves therefore to God, resist the devil, he will flee from you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, yeah. and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Once again, that's talking about the work we do for the Lord. But it's good to wash your hands. In the wintertime, even before this, if somebody's coughing, it's not a good idea to get in their face. God did give us a brain to use. I believe in divine healing, divine protection. But I don't believe in human stupidity. Hosea 4, 6, my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. Well, what about wearing a mask? It protects others as well as yourself. I go into churches where they're not wearing masks. I go into a lot of churches, they're wearing masks. In fact, in early May, when they started opening back up in West Virginia, and our governor, he never said you couldn't go to church. He said just use common sense. And we've done about as well as any state... Uh, except maybe South Dakota. Governor Christie Nome, she never did lock anything down. They're doing better than many other states. But of course, they have a small population and a lot of land. See, that's different. In places like North Carolina here in Durham, if you go to New York City, there's a high concentration of people in a small area, and it can spread rapidly. But wearing a mask, I was a big Lone Ranger fan as a young boy. And when the Lone Ranger and Tonto would do some good deed near the end of the program, Somebody would say, you know, I didn't get that man. Who is that masked man? Why don't you know? He's the Lone Ranger. Well, you can't say that today. You can't say, who is that masked man? You've got to say, who are those masked men? I don't mind wearing a mask. It's going to help others. You know, I'm going to look, we ought to be looking out for other people, not just ourselves. Amen? Well, I can believe God not only wear a mask, but what about other folk? Do you want to scare other people? Amen. I believe in Psalm 91.10. No evil shall befall thee, neither shall any plague come nigh thy dwelling. I believe the promises of God. But if I, if I do things that is inviting calamity into my life, then that's on me. That's not on God. Proverbs 26.2 says, The cursed causes shall not come. A lot of times they think, well, things just happen. Case of Sarah, Sarah. But we set things in motion that happen in our own lives. Maybe we're not even aware of it, of what we're doing. That's why we need to be in the moment and we need to hear the voice of God. Then Jesus said there would be earthquakes in diverse places. Seismologists, 
Those are experts that detect earthquake activity. They use the Richter scale to determine the severity of the earthquake. And by the way, talking about man-made global warming, isn't it something? The meteorologists can't hardly tell us what the weather's going to be like 72 hours from now, but they know what the weather's going to be like 100 years from now. Back in the 1970s, I'm old enough to remember this, and some of you here are old enough to remember, that they told us we had an ice age coming on the scene. On the front page of Newsweek and Time magazine, the coming ice age. What happened? We've had temperature fluctuations since we've been able to determine temperatures. We've had heating and cooling periods on this planet. Greenland was called Greenland for a reason. At one time, it had lush vegetation. Now, not so much. You have heating periods. You have cooling periods that occur on the earth. And this was in the normative of what we've seen in years gone by. But what about the chlorofluorocarbon, CFCs? Do you know that one volcanic eruption, depending on the size of the volcano, emits more CFCs, chlorofluorocarbons, into the atmosphere than a year of human activity? And we have no control over that. But we should be responsible. We don't want to put a lot of extra CFCs into the air. But I'll tell you this, God has the final say. His word has the final say. And God does know the future. Now these seismologists are telling us we're having more earthquakes than we've had in years gone by. And I mean, not just a little more, a lot more, and they're becoming more severe. So there's a whole lot of shaking going on. And not the kind that Jerry Lee Lewis played on his piano in the 1950s. Earthquakes, Christ said, in different places. I used to teach history, geography, social studies before I left teaching in October 1986. I'm now into my 35th year of full-time travel. My motto is, have gospel, we'll travel. Christ said in Mark 16, 15, go into all the world, preach the gospel of every creature. But there's what is called the ring of fire that encircles the earth, where volcanic activity and earthquakes are common. Why do you think, preacher, there are more earthquakes now than there were in days gone by? There's a scripture in the Bible, Deuteronomy 32, 22, for a fire is kindled in mine anger and shall burn under the lowest hell and shall consume the earth with their increase and set on fire the foundations of the mountains. The center of the earth is on fire. If you go so many miles down, you go into the molten magma, and it will burn up the instruments. Hell is burning out the foundations of the mountains. Isaiah 5.14, Therefore hell hath enlarged herself, and opened her mouth without measure, and their glory, and their multitude, and their pomp, and he that rejoiceth shall descend into it. Hell's in the center of the earth. I didn't say that's where the lake of fire's at. Death and hell, Revelation 20 and 14, will be cast into the lake of fire. But evidently, Ephesians 4 and 9 says, before Christ ascended, he first descended into the lower parts of the earth. In Matthew 12, 40, for as Jonas was three days and three nights in the whale's belly, shall the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. So in Deuteronomy 32, 22, it says, the fire is burning out the foundations of the mountains. And the foundations of the mountains are under the ground. Not on Mars, not on Jupiter, not on Saturn. It's under the ground. And guess what? When there is an earthquake or a natural disaster, the United States of America gives more money, sends more aid than any other country. 
And yes, we've got problems in this country. We do not have a perfect nation, but we have a blessed nation. Over 90% of all missionary endeavors are sponsored by the church in the United States of America. We've had botches in our history. We had to overcome slavery, the indignity of a visiting slavery on a race of people. But we have more freedom than any other country on the face of the earth. And to show that we're not the worst nation on the face of the earth, in two sentences I can prove that. Number one, why is it everybody from South America, Africa, Asia, Europe, and Australia are trying to get in the United States? And point number two, how come nobody's trying to leave? Once again, not saying we are a perfect nation. But in our preamble, it stated that in order to form a more perfect union, we the people of the United States, in order to form a more perfect union, establish justice, ensure domestic tranquility, provide for the common defense, promote the general welfare, and secure the blessings of liberty to ourselves and our posterity, do ordain and establish this Constitution for the United States of America. Notice, in order to form a more perfect union. How many knows we have a ways to go? Amen? And we need to keep progressing with human rights and progressing with watching out for the less advantaged. Thank God. Do you know the church does more for the poor than the government does? You never hear that. Individuals, organizations, humanitarian groups give more than the government. Thank God for government assistance. There's nothing wrong with that. But we need to acknowledge where help is coming from. And our help comes from the Lord. You know, the psalmist David, now he couldn't have, I don't think he could have been an Eastern Carolinian, but he could have been a West Virginian. Psalm 121, 1, I will lift up mine eyes into the hills from whence cometh my help. By the way, I don't know if you know this or not, but West Virginia is the only illegal state in the Union. We are. Abraham Lincoln granted us statehood status on June 20th, 1863. We never went through the constitutional process of ratification. <laughs> a few years ago, Virginia was talking about trying to annex some of our panhandle or more prosperous counties, and we said, no, you take us all back or you don't take any of us back. <laughs> Amen. But, you know, coming from West Virginia, there's a lot of poverty in southern West Virginia in the Appalachian Mountain Range. And churches send help into those areas. We send help to people that are in need over in eastern Kentucky and places like that. And once again, I, I appreciate David and Cheryl Smith going down to Charlotte, North Carolina to help people that really don't have anything to think of. You don't have, um, if, if you go, it's because you care about people. If you go out of your way and you go help somebody, you know what character is revealed by what you do for others that can't do anything for you. If you're only good to people you think that'll do something good for you, then it's really a self-serving interest on your part, on my part or anybody else's part. But when you help somebody that can't do anything for you, that's the love of God. What can we do for the Lord? Romans 5, 8, God committed His love toward us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Now Jesus said, in this world you're going to have trouble. We're going to be persecuted. I had a lady years ago came down to prayer line in a tent meeting that I was preaching, and she said, Preacher, I'm tired of being persecuted. I don't want to have to deal with that devil any longer. Would you pray for me? She left me but one option. I began to pray for her dissolution. 
she's shocking, looked at me. Well, no, I don't want to go to heaven now. I said, ma'am, you didn't leave me any options. You said you didn't want to be persecuted. You didn't want to have to deal with the devil. I said, until you go to heaven, you're going to have to deal with persecution and you're going to have to deal with the devil. Amen. Christ said, in this world, you're going to have trouble. 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 12, all that live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. Psalm 34, 19, many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers him out of them all. Christ said in Matthew 5, 11, blessed are you when men shall revile you and persecute you and shall say all manner of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice and be exceeding glad for great is your reward in heaven for so persecuted they the prophets which were before you. If we live for Christ, we're going to suffer persecution. That's par for the course. But I've came to the place where I let it just roll off my back like water going off a duck's back. I don't take it on a personal level. Because if you do, you'll never be a witness for the Lord. Get your feelings hurt, you run home, jump in bed and pull the covers over your head. Christ said in John 15, 18, if the world hated you, it hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love you some, but because you're not of the world, but I've chosen you out of the world, therefore doth the world hate you. James 4, 4, if you're a friend of the world, that makes you an enemy of God. Now I'm talking about the world system, not people. We need to reach out to everybody. But if we're a friend of the world system, that makes us an enemy of God. The word age in the Greek, ion, it can mean a period of time, but the word cosmos can mean the entire universe, it can mean the solar system, and it also means a social order. The devil, 2 Corinthians 4, 4, is a god of this present world. He's a god of, of the prince of the power of the air, and he has demon spirits under him. And we're not to be associating with that, but we're to reach out to people, people that don't know the Lord, people that are in bondage to sin. I'm glad people came to me with the good news of Jesus Christ. My life was going down fast. I don't believe I'd live another five years. I don't believe I'd live another five years. And I asked God one year after I got saved, I said, Lord, how come that I lived to a place where I could give my heart to Christ? And the Lord took me back to my childhood. When we would gather around the Thanksgiving table and the Christmas uh, dinner table, and our family would talk about the good, the bad, and the ugly, most of the bad and the ugly, the fighters, women chasers, moonshiners, and all this. But one name came up in conversation. My Aunt Janie Heiss that lived in McDowell County, West Virginia. And I remember Mother telling me when they would go visit Aunt Janie, they'd walk up a long set of steps, they could hear her praying. And my mother told me, she said she prayed in some foreign language. She was praying in tongues. But what I do remember as a little boy... When her name was mentioned, the whole atmosphere changed. There was a respect for her name. She died before I was ever born. I'll get to thank her when I get to heaven. She prayed for her parents, my great-grandparents, her brothers and sisters, my grandparents, their children, my mother, and their children. She prayed for me. That's why we need to pray for our family, and not give up on somebody that seems like they're so far away from God. Look, you and I weren't always angels with a halo over our head. Come on. Isaiah 59, 1, The Lord's hand's not shortened that it cannot save, neither is his ear heavy that it cannot hear. Paul said in 1 Timothy 1, 15, he was a chief among sinners. If God can save the chief among sinners, how many knows he can save the braves? 
The psalmist David in Psalm 42, he said, The Lord delivered me out of a horrible pit, brought me up out of the miry clay, set my foot up on a rock, and established my goings. I preached in a church back in the 1980s up in a place called Four Mile down in Lincoln County, West Virginia. It was a cold, rainy, wintry February night. They had an outside restroom facility. And in NASCAR terminology, it's always good to make a pit stop before getting on the racetrack. I went out to use the outside restroom facility, but unbeknownst to me, there was a hole that had been covered by some boards. Some children had been playing outside before church started, and either accidentally or on purpose, they removed those boards, and I took a step, and I went down in the mud hole. Hey, look, in retrospect, I'm glad it was a mud hole. And I had mud all over my pant leg, and I tried to wipe it out, but I smeared it in. Now, I stood before those six or 70 people on that Saturday night, and everybody was looking at my muddy pant leg, and I couldn't resist the temptation to tell those folk I knew how David felt when he said the Lord delivered him out of a horrible pit and brought him up out of the miry clay. But I don't believe I'd live another five years the way I was living my life. But God sent people to me with the good news of Jesus Christ. A guy at college named Ted Williams, like the baseball player, only he was short. He was a wrestler on the Marshall Wrestling Team, a devout Christian. He would invite me to go with him to the Campus Crusade for Christ. I said, I'll tell you what, Ted, go drink some beer with me at the Club Modern on Saturday night, and I'll go with you to the Campus Crusade for Christ on Sunday morning. So, no, I'm not going to do that. We made fun of him. He would put these tracks on the elevator, and we just we made fun of him. But guess what? He planted some seed in my heart. I did my student teach at Logan High School under John Godby. John Godby's a minister. And he began to water that seed. Paul said in 1 Corinthians 3, 6, I have planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. So that neither is he that planteth anything, neither he that watereth, but God that gives the increase. In Isaiah 55, 11, God said, So shall my word be that goeth forth out of my mouth. It shall not return to me void. It shall accomplish that which I please, and it shall prosper in the thing whereto I have sent it. God's word will not return back to him void. Now, I fell under conviction. And on March 23rd, 1975, I called on the name of Jesus, and he delivered me from drug addiction. I was becoming an alcoholic, but I was already a drug addict instantaneously. And I had um, a fellow at a prison I preached at here just a few weeks ago out in western Kentucky. I was at a church, and then uh, Mike Humble, he has Agape Ministries, uh, took me out to uh, the prison. And we had him outside because of the COVID. And this one guy said, I'm reading my Bible. I'm praying. He said, I've given my heart to the Lord. He said, I'm struggling with this desire for, for uh, alcohol and desire for drugs. He said, but you just said you were delivered. I said, well, I can't explain that. I said, but don't give up. Romans 2.11, God's no respecter of persons. So I don't know why, but God instantaneously set me free from those addictions. And now I'm addicted to the Word of God. Addicted to Jesus Christ. I mean, you've got to fill yourself up with God and His Word after you get saved. Because if you don't fill yourself up with the things of God, then the world's just going to pull you back. And I'll tell you what, I wouldn't trade God's steak for the devil's hot dog any day of the week. The devil's hot dog will make you sick. Christ came, John 10, 10, that we might have life and have it more abundantly. In this time of lockdowns and we see a spike in infection rates, People are wondering, what are we going to go through? We need to turn to God. They sang the song, look to the Lord, Hebrews 12, 2, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. 
Well, when do you think the Lord's coming back, preacher? Well, the Bible tells us not exactly when, but Psalm 110.1 says, The Lord said unto my Lord, Set thou my right hand until I make thine enemies thy footstool, which tells me the Lord's not coming back for a defeated, weak, powerless church. Ephesians 5.26, that he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water by the word, that he might present to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that it should be holy without blemish. He's coming back for a valiant church, a courageous church, a victorious church. He said in Matthew 16, 18, upon this rock, I'll build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Isaiah 54, 17, no weapon formed against thee shall prosper. Every tongue that shall rise against thee in judgment, thou shalt condemn. This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord and their righteousness is in me, saith the God. Psalm 16, 12, through God we shall do valiantly, for it is he who shall tread down our enemies. Christ said in Luke 10, 19, I give you power to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. In Romans 16, 20, and the God of peace shall be Satan under your feet shortly. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Amen. You might say, oh, Pastor Westbrook, I don't feel like much in the body of Christ here this morning. This is a scriptural statement. If you're only the skin on the bottom of the foot of the body of Christ, that still places you over top the head of the devil. It's come back for a victorious church. Daniel 11, 32, talking about the time of the end. The people that know their God shall be strong and do exploits. It's no time to retreat. No time to give up. It's time to march forward. And there's going to be conflict, saints of God, even more so in the days that lie ahead. It's not going to lessen. It's going to intensify. What's that going to do to the church? If we will let it, it will perfect us. Persecution brings maturity. When you've been through some things and then something else, you're getting ready to face, hey, God brought me through that. He'll bring me through this. How many have been brought through some things since you've been a Christian? You've been, have you had to go through some things? One lady came down and said, well, preacher, she said, uh, I don't know what I need you to pray for. I've not had any trouble since I've been saved. I said, welcome back from your coma. Come to find out, actually, she came down, and there was something she wanted me to pray about. She said, well, I haven't had any trouble since I've been saved, and she's been saved like for 20 years. I just told her, welcome back from your coma. All that live godly in Christ Jesus, 2 Timothy 3, 12, shall suffer persecution. Is, are there any exceptions to that? All that live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. It's par for the course. But all that will do, if you will allow it, it will strengthen you. You'll become stronger in the Lord. You'll become more determined to finish your race, finish your course. So yes, we, we are living in trouble sometimes. This pandemic is spiking up. They say they have found some therapy drugs, and now they think they have an inoculation. The Pfizer came up, they said 95% and Moderna and uh, Johnson & Johnson. So they're going to try to get out first to the elderly people, which they should, to the healthcare workers, and then out to the general population. Might be March or so before it gets out to the general population. Well, preach that several months from now. Look, we've already weathered how many months since March? How many knows we can get through this? We will get through this. But don't get depressed. Don't give up. Don't feel like, what am I going to do? No, redeem the time, Ephesians 5, 16, the days are evil. You know, in the wintertime, a lot of times if you get a lot of snow, down here you don't get much snow. 
That's why I always go to Florida in January, and I've had some of my preacher friends call me, Brother Mike, what's this? You go to Florida every January, and, and I'd also go out to Texas and Louisiana in February. What's this all about? I said, well, it's in the Bible. It's not in the Bible. I said, you haven't read the Bible carefully. Where's that at in the Bible? You go south. I said, 1 Corinthians eleven fourteen. What's that say? Did not even nature itself teach you? I said, are birds a part of nature? Yeah. Will they go south during the winter, north during the summer? That's what this evangelist does. Bless the Lord. Why would I schedule meetings in Michigan and Illinois and Pennsylvania in January? Does it not make sense to go south? Go up in Michigan and Illinois and Pennsylvania in July. It's wonderful. <laughs> Escape the heat of Florida. But we're going to weather these storms. We're coming through it in the name of Jesus. He said, in me, you're going to have peace. The peace that passes all understanding, Philippians 4, 7. Isaiah 26, 3. He will keep you in perfect peace as you keep your mind stayed on him. We can't keep our focus on the Lord. Remember when Christ said in Mark 4, 35, let's go to the other side. Jesus fell asleep on board the boat. A storm came on the scene. Most of the disciples were fishing by trade and they knew it was a bad storm. And, and they tried to get the ship under control. And finally, frantically, they woke Jesus up. Don't you care? We're going to perish. Christ rebuked the wind, the waves, and he rebuked them. Oh, you have little faith? Why did you doubt? Now, upon what basis did Jesus rebuke the disciples? They had been with the Son of God. They had seen him heal the sick cast out devils or raise the dead. When he said we're going to the other side, they should have recognized no storm this side of hell could have sunk their ship. Amen. That's when God speaks. Not when we speak, when God speaks. Psalm 119, 89, Forever, O Lord, your word is settled in heaven. Psalm 89, 34, My covenant will I not break, nor alter the thing that's gone out of my lips. Titus 1, 2, God cannot lie. Numbers 23, 19, God's not a man that he should lie, neither the son of man that he should repent. Hath he said it, shall he not do it? Or hath he spoken, and shall he not make it good? Hebrews 6, 13, God could swear by no greater. He swore by himself. Christ said to Matthew 24, 35, Heaven and earth shall pass away, but my word shall not pass away. Isaiah 40 and 3, the grass withereth, the flower fadeth, but the word of our God shall stand forever. Amen. We're talking about the promises of God. There's a song that I love singing. It's an old song. Look, some of these older songs are great songs. We, we should go back to sing. Standing on the promises of God. So we're going to get through this in the name of Jesus. And we'll come out better. But in the wintertime, I know a lot of friends of mine that pastor up north. Sometimes they don't have church for a week or two because of snowstorms. And what they do is they just study the Word, meditate and pray, and they use that time to build themselves up spiritually. And come springtime, man, it's ready to go. Amen? We need to redeem the time, the days through. In fact, a friend of mine was snowed out of, I think, two Sundays and a Wednesday. So when they finally got back on the third Sunday, he held up a ketchup bottle and said, this is an object lesson. He's getting ready to take up the offering. He said, what is this? And he had a church about four or five hundred. He said, ketchup, ketchup. He said, come on, participate. What is this? Everybody said, ketchup. He said, now you got the idea. We're going to have a ketchup offering. And that's before you could send your offering in through text. That's back, that back in the late 1970s. But saints of God, Jesus said, in me you're going to have peace. Our peace is in the Lord. Romans 5, 9, more of being justified by his blood we shall be saved from wrath through him. 
It's the peace that passes all understanding. Going through storms, but knowing that you're settled in the gospel and that you're coming out on the other side. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego went to the fiery furnace because they will not bow down to a false god. But the king looked in and said, how many do we put in the fiery furnace? Three, king. Well, I see another one then there, and he's like the son of God. Yeah. Daniel went to the lion's den. They said, you cannot pray to anybody but only to the king. But Daniel 6.10 says he opened his window and prayed like he had before. And the king really liked Daniel. And the men that colluded and conspired against Daniel said, look, king, you put your signet ring on it. You've got to do And he, he said, Daniel, you're going to have to go into the den of hungry lions. I can just see an angel going into that den of hungry lions before the prophet went and said, it won't profit you to eat the prophet. Go on a one-day fast. A good meal's coming your way. And Daniel went into that den of hungry lions. You know who lost a good night's rest? The king. He paced back and forth all night long. And then the next morning, I mean, he, he, really, he really loved Daniel. He knew the Spirit of God was in him. He went down and said, oh, Daniel, is the God you serve able to live your old king live forever? My God sent an angel into this den of hungry lions and shut their mouths. And the king said, come on out, Daniel. And the people that conspired against Daniel were thrown into And I just see the angel going back in. Now look, I'm speculating on this. It's not scripture. But I just see the angel going back in and saying, now listen, kittens, God wants to know, do you want that meal supersized? Or they must have said yes. So the men, their wives, and their children were thrown to the dinner. That's not fair. Let me say what the Bible says, Romans 14, 7. No man lives to himself. No man dies to himself. Whether we live, we live unto the Lord. Whether we die, we die unto the Lord. Whether we live or die, we live and die to the Lord. That's talking about the Christian man. But let me say this. If you're not saved, if you don't know Jesus Christ, you're going to have a negative effect on those people you say you love. Remember the rich man in hell, Luke 16, 19-31. He said, Father Abraham, send Lazarus back to my five brothers, lest they come to this place of torment. Evidently, he had been an... Bad influence on his brothers. He didn't want them to go to hell where he was. I went this to a man. This is a big burly fella. And he looked at me. He said, well, I'll just tell you what, preacher. I'm a self-made man. I pull myself up by my own bootstraps. I don't owe anybody anything. I said, who changed your diaper and who put a bottle in your mouth? Well, well, you know what? I said, you just said you didn't owe anybody anything. I said, you owe debt you don't, you're not even aware of. He got to thinking about that. He got to thinking about that. But he said, he was real defiant. All of a sudden, he became real calm, and he walked away. I've talked to men that would say, yeah, I want my wife to take my kids to church. Yeah, preacher, I want to. You know what your kids are going to do? They're going to follow your example. Oh, no, preacher, I don't want them to do that. I said, if you really love your kids and you want your kids to live a Christian life, you need to get saved. And I've had success in using that line of reasoning with people. I've had men just start crying. No, I don't want my son to be like that. And I'll share one more testimony here, and we're going to close down. I used to go to Logan County Jail every Sunday afternoon. I was, you know, just got saved. And, man, I wanted to tell somebody about Jesus. I'd tell people on the street. And I went and started ministering at the Logan County Jail. They had to listen to a lot of bad messages. One thing about it. If they didn't like what I had to say, they couldn't do anything about it. I just preached to a captive audience. But one Sunday afternoon, there was a big old six, seven, 300-pound bruiser. This guy was like a black Adonis. I mean, he was just, and he tried to drown me out, and the louder he got, the louder I got. I credit him with my loud voice to this day. The second Sunday, he was twice as bad. The third Sunday, I thought I was going to throw a conniption fit. 
Two men accepted Christ. I gave each of them a Bible. And I'm walking out the cell block. Hey, preacher, come on down here. Well, I walked down to him. He's 6'7", 300. I'm less than 5'8". At that time, I was probably about 135 or 40 pounds. He said, I need that Jesus you've been talking about. Tears are streaming down his cheeks. His hand doubled around my hand. He prayed the sinner's prayer and gave his heart to the Lord. Well, I went to the jailer. They were strict. You had to leave when visitation time was over. And I said, look, there's a man that just prayed with me. I'll, I'll leave now if I have to. He said, but would you give me five minutes? So who are you talking about? I said, the big guy in the second. Said, he prayed with you? I said, yes. He, he prayed to become a Christian? I said, yes. Mike Manuel, don't you tell anybody. I'll give you a half hour with him. I believe that the jailer was as excited about the man's salvation as the angels in heaven. He was a troublemaker. I go up the next Sunday afternoon to preach those men behind bars at the Logan County Jail, and there's a new inmate. He's about 6'2", weighed about 220. He thought he was going to razz me. That didn't last too long because my antagonist of the week before became the defender of God's faith. He went over to that small fry, put his hand on his shoulder, said, Now, you shut up, you sit down, and you listen to the preacher man. What did he do? He shut up, he sat down, and he listened to the preacher man. That guy went on to be a preacher. The 6'7", 300-pound bruiser. Now, I've got a sad story to tell about going to Logan County Jail. And this was years later. I still go to the jail if, when I get the opportunity. This fella was incarcerated. And, man, and, and I would go up, and he would always just try to agitate and agitate. And finally, man, he pulled me over and said, you know, I've tried to get under your skin, and it's not stopped you. He said, but I'll just tell you what it's getting, getting to me. He accepted the Lord. Six, seven months later, he got out of jail, started coming to Logan Christian Center, which is now Word of Life Church in Logan, Started coming to the Christian Center, and he was doing really good. And he told me when he gave his heart to the Lord, he said, Brother Mike, if I ever stray away from God, you got to come to remind me of this. He did good for several months. All of a sudden, he wasn't coming to church anymore. And I knew where he was at. And I drove to where he was at, and he was with his friends. When they were yucking it up, he saw me, and he, he walked away from the friends. He knew I was going to talk about the Lord. I wouldn't care who was around. I went over talking to him. So what he said, well, man, I'm, I'm going to be getting back. I said, you told me to remind you, if you ever walked away from God, to come and remind you, you need to get right with God. So, I, well, yeah, I know. I'm gonna be. And his girlfriend had just had a baby, and a little boy. And I said, uh, do you want your son to grow up to be like, no, 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 no. I, I want him to grow up to be a Christian like I was. I said, well, you need to get back in church. Said, well, okay. And I looked at him, I said, this is a serious matter. Guy was his first name. I'll not mention the last name because of what I'm going to tell you in just a minute. Anyway, I'm going to be coming back. He never came back. I was out of town. My brother saw in the paper that he died. He was a diabetic. He died, I don't know, 12, 14 years after that. His son grew up. It broke my heart. He loved that little boy. But his son grew up, and there was an arson ring that they broke up in Logan, West Virginia. And there was a couple of corrupt insurance agents uh, that would insure houses that this wealthy man, uh, and buildings, this wealthy man would buy these buildings. They would over-insure the buildings, and then two guys would go in and burn the buildings down. And one of the boys who went in to burn the building down was his son. And he had already gotten in trouble with another matter, so um, he was facing, I think, uh, five to 18 years in prison. When I looked at the paper, Pastor Don, Pastor Dave, I looked at the Logan Banner, and I saw that he looked, he looked so much like his daddy. That's how God just took me back in time 14 years before. Took me back in time when I was standing looking at his daddy. I said, you need to go to church and get right with God 
So your son will have a good... Oh, I know, Brother Mike. I don't want him to be like me. I went back. It was almost like a... I went back in time. I could see his daddy. So it is important that you and I live for the Lord. It's important that you and I get involved in people's lives and be a positive influence and not a negative influence. Blessed be the name of the Lord Jesus. You might be here this morning saying, you know, I'm, I'm not feeling well physically. Jesus is the healer. Exodus 15, 26, he's Jehovah Rapha, the God that heals us. Psalm 103, 3, he forgives all of our iniquities. He heals all of our diseases. Matthew 4, 23, he went about all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues and preaching the gospel of the kingdom, healing all manner of sickness and disease among the people. Matthew 14, 36, as many as touched his garment were made perfectly whole. Acts 10, 38, he healed all that were oppressed of the devil. If you're here and you're under attack in your body, just lift your hand up where you're at. Anybody here? God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. Hey, keep your hand raised. Now, is this being live streamed? Okay. People out uh, watching this on live stream, if you're under attack in your body, I want you to lift your hand up where you're at if you can. And I want you to receive healing into your body. Mark 7, 27, healing is a children's bread. Jesus told the lady... Let the children first be filled. Father, right now, in the name of Jesus, I thank you for the sacrifice of your son. I thank you, Father God, that Jesus' blood cleanses us from sin, but those 39 lashes placed upon his back are for our healing. And healing is a fait accompli. It's a done deal. It's not something you have yet to do. It's something you've already done. And Lord, when we believe and receive it, that's when it begins to manifest in our body. And I thank you that sickness Disease and infirmity has to leave the bodies of these receiving healing now in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. I have a great testimony. A lady down in South Carolina called me in February. Anytime I'm preaching in Greer, Wahala, over uh, Seneca or any places, the people from that church with her will come you know, on off nights when they don't have service. She called and she was diagnosed with cancer in her lower gastrointestinal region. And uh, they told her they could treat it. They couldn't cure it. And she called me. And she's a godly lady. She loves the Lord. She's up in her 70s. And I just told her, I said, Ruth, I want you to read healing scripture. Now, you can listen to them. Uh, you, and you can hear other people say, but I want you to speak these scriptures out. And I don't want you to be thinking about, well, so-and-so died and this person died. I said, I want your focus, Hebrews 12, 2, to be on Jesus. And I want you to read the healing scriptures and hear yourself read those healing scriptures. Focus on Jesus. She went for her PET scan the next month, and they'd already told her it had metastasized, and it was, she, she went Monday, and her oncologist did another PET scan and said, well, Ruth, I want you to come in tomorrow. We need to do some more tests. And her thought was, because she was actually feeling great, her thought was, well, it's so far gone, they're not going to do any more treatments and maybe just give me pain medicine before I die. He, she went back on Tuesday, and they conducted tests from 8 o'clock to 2 o'clock. She had to wait, and her oncologist saw her at 4 o'clock and said, Ruth, I'm a medical doctor. I've been an oncologist, I don't know how many, 20-some years, he said, I have no explanation for this. He said, we don't see any cancer in your body. And get this, he, she had taken eight treatments, had four more treatments to take. He said, Ruth, I cannot conscientiously tell you you need to take any treatments. That's why you, I had you to come in today. We had to do all these other tests. I can't tell you. He said, but I would suggest you do that since you're on Medicare and it's going to pay for it. And she did. 
and she's had two subsequent uh, examinations, cancer-free. She'll have one in December. If she's cancer-free, she'll come back in six months. But here's the thing, Pastor Don, this is what really touched my heart. The words out of her mouth were this, Brother Mike, this extra time the Lord's given me. And she's a soul winner. She said, I want to do everything I can with the time I have left to bring people to Jesus Christ. Boy, that's the end. God doesn't heal people to go deeper into sin. Some people do that. They get healed and then they forget about the Lord. Walk away from God. But why not use that time in gratitude? We can't repay him, but in gratitude. Now let me ask this. Anybody here this morning or anybody watching through live stream and you say, I don't know Jesus. I've never known the Lord. Or maybe you've known God, but you walked away from him. You want to come back. I can't think of a better time to recommit your life to Christ. Is there anybody here in this congregation at Bethel Christian Center that would say, I'm not sure I'm where I need to be with God? Lift your hand up. Anybody? Anyone? Lift your hand up where you're at. Don't be ashamed to do that. Anyone here this morning? Anyone here this morning? If there's somebody through live stream that's under conviction, you know that you need Jesus, you know you're not where you need to be with God, I want you to do this. I want you to pray this prayer. Just say, dear God in heaven, in the holy name of Jesus, I come to you now. I believe in Jesus Christ. I believe he is the son of God. I believe he died on the cross, shed his blood, and rose back from the dead. Lord Jesus, as an act of my will, I ask you into my life. Wash away my sin by your precious blood. I believe that you rose back from the dead and you're my Savior now. I know that you never lied. You told me if I would come to you in John 6.37, you would not cast me away. You told me in Romans 10.13, if I would call on your name, I would be saved. Lord, I've come to you now. I've called on your name. And since you never lie, I know I'm saved. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Anybody with a financial difficulty that you need a breakthrough in the realm of finances, lift your hand up. Deuteronomy 8.18, Thou shalt remember the Lord thy God, for it is he that giveth thee power to get wealth, that he may establish his covenant. As they swear unto the Father, says this, this day. Pastor Don told me, because I called him months ago, and he called me. He, you know, he checks on me. He calls this every now and then to check on me. And we were talking, he said, Brother Mike, the people have been so good to give, even though you didn't have services and you had services. People were so good to give. So good to give. Well, it's God that gives us power to get wealth. Why? To establish his covenant. So thank God for you all that's giving to the work of God. And I pray for those out in uh, live stream land. In Jesus' name, receive that. What an honor to be here. It's been a great blessing. Uh, Carol and Don, I love and appreciate you all. And David and Cheryl, I thank you for coming. You all drove in last night from Charlotte, and they came here this morning. I appreciate this couple. And uh, Michael and Christy Britt, I don't know if they're here. They have, now they have two boys? Yes! Praise the Lord. You get your quiver full, you'll have five. <laughs> Praise God. Come on, Pastor Don. Be blessed in Jesus' name. We'll see you here or there in the air.